As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the family. You're on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peraldino Joey, or Joey Wajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. We're going to review the playoffs and all that, preview the uh, divisional round. Some pretty crazy uh, upsets or unexpected victories, I guess you could say. Or just, well, I don't know. Just a wild, crazy weekend. Some games were awfully boring for a while that got very exciting at the end, basically. Except for the very first one, it was just boring, and that's all there was to it. And it's the only one I got correct, which is kind of embarrassing. So, we'll leave that as is. Before we talk about the playoffs, though, we'll have a brave, brief segment where it's just Vikings talk. Uh, Mike Zimmer is postseason presser, we'll say, a season-ending presser, basically looking for more toughness, more nastiness that we didn't have this past year, that that was kind of missing this and that. Well... I hope we get that. I think we just generally need to improve certain positions and uh, need to be more cerebral and such. At the same time, uh, we need a quarterback to be more cerebral. We need an offensive line to give better protection. We need uh, a focus on improving the offensive line. I know that's not the only problem. Of course, Kirk Cousins needs to, again, sense the pressure and all that. And obviously play calls that help have him moving around a bit more, like those play actions, those bootlegs, and I thought that was nice. That's where uh, Kevin Stefanski came in and was uh, a better offensive coordinator than John DeFilippo. Uh, there were funny comments. Again, we'll talk about that way much later in Fan Interaction uh, from <laughs> Mad Martin also. You'll be hearing from him as well. And an- Another calling, uh, where he's uh, calling for the head of Rick Spielman. Love it. Um, he's thinking of maybe we should have had Nick Foles and, uh, and uh, John DeFilippo come as a package deal, and maybe... But uh, maybe it still would have sucked anyway, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, at least in uh, January, Nick Foles, however he is in the regular season, he's a little different in the playoffs, isn't he? And uh, at least in the latter stages of December as well. Oh, man. Mm. Chicago Bears definitely wishing they played us today, I'm sure, because I don't think it would have gone very well at the end of the day. Uh, Not a very good uh, couple weeks for purple teams, we'll say, either. Uh, Baltimore Ravens facing a bit of a uh, <laughs> onslaught today in Lamar Jackson's case. But, no, I mean, Kevin Stefanski um, also going to be interviewing for the uh, Cleveland Browns job, possibly could be leaving to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else or even be the next Cleveland Browns head coach. Why the Cleveland Browns don't want to hire uh, Greg Williams after doing an incredibly good job is beyond me. See, it's like I'm bitter about the uh, the whole loss to the New Orleans Saints in 2009 and what happened to Brett Favre and that, that head-hunting bullcrap. But Greg Williams, bottom line, did a hell of a job with the Cleveland Browns. And I think Vince Germano would agree if he's listening. Uh, obviously, Australian buddy there. Big uh, Timberwolves Explosion follower and uh, obviously love his podcast uh, with uh, 
Hank McCoy and Stu Benson called the Courtside Podcast. Highly recommended. NBA conversation from Australia. But no, he's a Cleveland Browns fan also, and I think he would like to keep uh, Greg Williams as the head coach. Kevin Stefanski, obviously he's been, uh, well, he's originally from Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania area, and he jumped on with uh, Brad Childress and all that. He, he worked under offensive coordinator Brad Childress for the Philadelphia Eagles as a very, very young guy, pretty much right out of college, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Just right out of college. What is he, three years younger than I am, uh, Kevin Stefanski. Three years out of college in 2005. I would have been 02 if I was a senior in college, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, right out of college to the Eagles. Then came with Brad to the Vikings and was basically like an assistant to the assistant to the assistant, kind of like way down there at the beginning, you know, early 20s and all that. And all these years later, he's already graying a little bit like my brother and all that. Some of us gray, some of us bald. He's the one of the lucky ones, we'll say. We'll leave that where that is. Um, <laughs> Kevin Stefanski, though, I think he's a good choice to be offensive coordinator. I think uh, he knows this team as well as anybody. He's been here longer than any of the coaches. I think uh, I think he brought a good game plan. I mean, it didn't look good against the Chicago Bears, but the Philadelphia Eagles' offense was not that great against the Chicago Bears today. It's just the fact that, I don't know, Philadelphia's defense is good too, unfortunately. It just is what it is. So you look at it that way too. Nobody looked good against the Chicago Bears this year, so you can't say, oh, Kevin Stefanski's not that great, this and that. It's a combination of things, obviously. Offensive line protection and the quarterback being able to sense uh, sense uh, <laughs> the, the pocket closing in on him, sensing pressure, this and that, throw the ball away rather than take the sack or strip sack or force up an interception, the old chuck and duck, and, of course, the fakeness and the most corporate BS you'll ever see out of the guy in his closing uh, press conference this year because it was a lot of the same little stupid things he would say in previous years. Basically like uh, tough times don't last, tough guys do. So it's just like the same old thing. He said that years ago in Washington. He said that again this year at the end of this press conference. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's like a broken record with the guy. Is he real? Is he fake? Is he this? Is he that? Is he all just, is he just like those car salesman type of people? Is he just like those engineers at my job that just, you know, they smile at you and they pretend to give a crap about you when in reality they don't give a crap about you at all? Well, that's pretty much all it is. I, I do think that is all it is and it's just kind of silly. I, I don't know. Um, whatever. As long as the guy can uh, go out there and get the job done, I guess that's what matters most. He just reeks of being a really fake person, and I don't think it uh, rubs off well on his teammates either. Remember the whole blow-up with uh, uh, Adam Thielen on the sidelines? That's not a good sign. It's not. you you got to think, I mean, you you, you want to believe it's just a good conversation and everything's okay and we can sweep it under the rug, but no, I think they did just sweep it under the rug rather than, uh, you know, blow it up even further, but that didn't look good, and I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that uh, statement, that it didn't look good, what was going on there. He was kind of showing them, like, about how the route is run and this and that. Like, Adam Thielen doesn't know how to run a route or something, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Adam Thielen was kind of staring on, just kind of like, yep, okay, uh-huh, 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 basically, at the end. So that also tells you something like, yeah, okay, you, I get it, you know, that type of uh, response that you get when someone's embarrassing you a little bit on national television that type of thing, so I don't know, um, you got to improve the offensive line, this and that, the quarterback, you're stuck with him for at least two more years, 
and the whole talk about, oh, hey, it's just the first year, hey, you sign a free agent. You know, that was another thing that uh, Mike Zimmer said, you, you know, and, and Kirk Cousins said it as well. It's the first year, you know, the first year you can't expect everything to be spectacular. Maybe next year, this and that, but, well, we've all heard that before. Things worked out pretty good with another guy who came in here in his first year in 2009. They worked out pretty damn good. And his second year didn't go good, obviously. Age being a slight factor for him, but uh, that kind of is what that is. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm buying that one. I don't think that's going to fly here with that. <laughs> he had plenty of time in the offseason to learn the scheme, the system, the schemes, and get things together. And uh, I don't know, and he's had plenty of experience with the Washington Redskins in the past as well. So I don't know if I, I'm going to buy all of that. Uh, with that, I'm just going to take a quick break then and move on to the playoffs. We'll talk more of Minnesota Vikings conversation as time goes on and probably get into some more conversation and defend their action fan interaction anyway as well, especially with uh, Mad Martin's call. Let's talk about the playoffs. And we are back here on Purple Mafia. Time to look at the playoffs. Wild card weekend, and it was wild, all right. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of boredom, and then things got more and more interesting. I mean, every single one of these games started off very boring and got more interesting, except the very, very, very first one, Indiana versus Houston. Uh, it was just boring. Uh, I don't know. Do I have a whole lot to say about this one? Not really, other than I got this one right. There's a lucky horseshoe. I'm I'm riding the luck of Andrew Luck, and he's heading into a. Kansas City and stuff, and I think he's going to keep doing well there. We'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. Last time he went into Kansas City as the underdog, they won the game because Kansas City doesn't win playoff games. Uh, Andrew Luck put the uh, Indianapolis Colts up 14-0 with four minutes remaining in the first quarter. Did a pretty good job driving his team down the field. Adam Vinatieri still kicking. That guy's ancient history, and he's still got it. He's the Methuselah of football right now, along with his with what would have been his partner in crime with uh, Tom Tom Brady. Too bad he's not still in uh, in uh, New England. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Instead, he's in Indianapolis, and he's been there for a long time. He left after 05. It's been 12 years that Vinatieri left. Crazy Vinatieri, the guy who nailed that kick to end it all. Uh, basically, they just scored 21 points before the half to the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and they just kind of geared in and frustrated Mr. Deshaun Watson throughout the game, and Deshaun just could not get a whole lot done. Attempted 49 passes because they were playing from behind pretty much the get from the get-go anyway. Quarterback rating 69.7. Deshaun just struggled throughout the entire game, and the Indianapolis Colts defense really showed up to play, and Marlon Mack just kept getting the first downs, kept moving the chains, and it was kind of all she wrote. I mean, he averaged about six uh, he averaged about six and a third yards a carry. I mean, that's just like nothing. I mean, Marlon Mack, so it's like he wasn't sure. There was hardly any resistance for Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack, and they just ran the clock down, and before you knew it, the Houston Texans 11-5 and division championship season is gone. Just like that. Just like another team I'm going to talk about. the Saving the best for last, so to speak. Very sad uh, ending to that season after a hell of a year. It's just, that's what sucks about football playoffs, and we all know the feeling very well. We all know it very well. Uh, so promising. Things feel so good. And how, how devastated we all would have been if the Vikings didn't even win one game in the playoffs last year, if the Minneapolis miracle never happened, because that's exactly where that game was heading at the end of the day. Um, 
impressive team, the Houston Texans, but I, I don't know. They got all these good players on offense. Uh, obviously, exciting players. Lamar Miller is good and solid. Hopkins is a spectacular wide receiver, but he didn't have a particularly big game. Uh, Kiki Kute did very well in the game. Lamar Miller is one of the better uh, versatile receiving running backs. He's become quite a veteran now, but he still got it for the most part. Could hardly get anywhere, though. And the, uh, also, the uh, Houston Texans hardly could run the ball because they're behind most of the time. Even though it's okay to run the ball at some points in the game, they just didn't balance out the offense. They, they uh, relied too much on Deshaun Watson, and he tried to do too much. And I don't know. It just wasn't their day, and the Colts just kind of moved on. So that's about all there is to say. 21-7. to Indianapolis Colts, not a very fun game to watch. It really wasn't. Seattle and Dallas wasn't fun to watch either on Saturday. Uh, pretty boring game until the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, things got pretty awesome. Uh, Dallas, you, you just kind of got the feeling Dallas had the momentum from the get-go in this game. And I don't know, Seattle put in a hell of an effort, but uh, Dallas ended up getting the job done at the end. A back-and-forth type of game. A lot of us figured, oh, Seattle's going to win. They're going to be fine. But the whole game, you just felt there was just that little extra, little extra pinch of energy with the Dallas Cowboys compared to the Seattle Seahawks. Numerous times in the past, the Dallas Cowboys, here you go, opening playoff game, 13-3 and record, 12-4 and record, 10-6 and record, 11-5 and record. And they just, you know, like when Green Bay rolled in there years ago, after Dallas had a 13-3 and record, number one seed in the NFC, and Green Bay just went in there, and the, right out of the get-go, Dallas looked kind of nervous. They looked tight. They looked they looked scared. And Green Bay just rolled all over them and made them look like morons. Dallas would make things slightly interesting here and there, but generally speaking, Green Bay made them look like morons. We thought Seattle might do the same thing to them, uh, the Dallas Cowboys in this game, but this whole season, the, the Dallas Cowboys, every time you think, okay, they're done, they're finished, there's a little extra toughness in them this year. That could make things interesting, possibly. But uh, it could have been much more interesting if the Dallas Mavericks were the team going to New Orleans because we know what Dallas did to New Orleans earlier this season. They kept them at bay, and they beat them. And, I mean, it was in Dallas, but still. Still, it was in Dallas, and uh, they got the job done. And this Dallas defense did a pretty good job against Seattle until later on in the game, the second half, where the Seahawks wound up with 16 points, a couple of two-point conversions after touchdowns completed by... uh, uh, Russell Wilson. Sebastian Janikowski's injury did not help either down the stretch for Seattle and Dallas would be able to hang on in the game. Dak Prescott, Prescott, he didn't impress that much. He wasn't that spectacular, but there was just that little extra oomph. And then you saw the horrible injury in the game as well with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that was a heartbreaker. Uh, Alan Earn, Alan Hearns. I kept thinking it was Hughes, but no, I'm going crazy. It's Alan Earn, Alan Hearns. A dislocated ankle, broken in dislocation, similar situation to uh, uh, Gordon Hayward of the uh, Boston Celtics last year. When you, you could hear the snap right under the hoop there, and his leg is pointing one way and the foot is facing another way. And yeah, that was really sad and painful, and I felt bad for the poor guy. And, you know, I like. <laughs> Hmm, interesting. Uh, sorry, I'm seeing Fred Hoiberg fire, or excuse me, the uh, Tom Thibodeau firing <laughs> going on in the background. I already recorded Timberwolves Explosion, already uploaded, if you can believe it. So I'm a little bit distracted right now with what's going on with multiple things. Um, but no, um, when Jason Garrett went over and just held the guys, you know, they were holding hands tough, you know, like, t- like hang in there, hang in there, you know, we're, we're still here with you. And I just, you know, I... That made me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. And I don't mean to sound all sentimental and kind of goofy. I like Jason Garrett. 
I do, you know, and it's like all this talk about always oh, this mediocre coach. Oh, Dallas is still keeping him as a head coach. So, at the end of the day, I kind of started rooting for the Cowboys after that. I never liked the Seattle Seahawks. Richard Sherman's gone anyway, but I mean, so it's like I don't hate him as much. I've never liked the Cowboys that much either, but I don't know. I got a soft spot for them after that, <laughs> and I'm not going to be cheering for them or anything. I'm not going to be sure as hell not going to be buying any merchandise. But um, I suppose against the Saints, I'd cheer for the Cowboys. I guess I'll cheer for the Rams now when it comes to the NFC. I ain't cheering for no Eagles. I'm not cheering for the Saints. And I don't know. Uh, Cowboys and Rams, well, whoever wins that game, I hope they beat the other team at the end of the day. God, it sucks what happened on the other side. Jeez. <laughs> but the Dallas Cowboys end up getting the job done. They were just the better team by a little bit. Ezekiel Elliott was strong throughout the entire game. Again, this is what happens when you're able to get like five yards of carry over and over and over and over. This is what happens. You end up winning the game, even if it's by a slight margin and you need that extra little oomph from your home crowd, this and that. It's just You just kind of had a feeling the Cowboys were going to pull this off throughout the game, even though Seattle, again, made it very, very interesting. And it was such a low-scoring, almost baseball score type of game at the half and into the third quarter. It just got more and more boring as well. And then Seattle finally was able to score, make things extremely interesting. In fact, they finally took the lead <laughs> for the first time since it was 6-3 to three anyway. And then you thought, okay, maybe Seattle does have this, but the Cowboys in that fourth quarter, they all with that, you know, with the with the following drive, they just got the job done. They were determined, and they never relinquished the lead after that, even though Seattle made it interesting down the stretch, but could not get the job done. There just was not enough time left, and the Cowboys were able to hold on ever so slightly. Again, the injury to uh, Sebastian Janikowski did not help Seattle's matters. Again, a missed field goal along the way as well, which would have been the winner. But it was uh, earlier on. But still, three points is three points. And those three points would have given Seattle a 25-24 to 24 win. But uh, good on the Dallas Cowboys. I feel I felt good for them after that, especially with the injury to Mr. Hearns. So, oh, that poor guy. That was terrible. Um, and, I, I, again, I just felt a soft spot, you know, when I saw them hold, holding their hands tight like that. That, that was cool. I, I, I love what Jason Garrett did. And... I always respect when players pray for the guy that's got hurt. At first, I was like not sure what was going on because you know how sometimes you get distracted and you don't see see this and that immediately. I'm like, what's going on? And then it's like, oh, okay, I see now. At first, I was wondering, did he have a neck injury? But then it's like you look close. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. So terrible, nasty injury by uh, Alan Hearns and quite a shame indeed. So God bless him and his uh, speedy recovery. Hopefully, he can resume his career and uh, play for Jason Garrett again someday. But uh, Jason Garrett, only his second playoff win so far with the Dallas Cowboys. His previous victory was over the Detroit Lions just a few years ago. Uh, I believe in 2014, if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, yes, 2014, because 2015 they didn't make it. And 2016, Dallas had already had that. Dallas had the top record in the conference. So years ago, I remember Detroit made the playoffs and all that. They were like 11-5 and five type of team. Them and the Packers were the top two teams in the division. Minnesota did not make it. Uh, Detroit was very good that year, but Dallas overcame them and then could not beat the uh, Green Bay Packers later on. Uh, frustrating. Indeed, it was the 2014 playoffs. The uh, Dallas Cowboys were able to defeat the Detroit Lions, so that was the last uh, victory for Jason Garrett in the postseason over Detroit, 24-20. to 20. I remember that being a very close game. I was actually cheering for Detroit in that game, 
And then Green Bay-Dallas, a very close, frustrating game in Lambeau Field where the Packers made things very interesting against the Seattle Seahawks and ultimately choked that one away, unfortunately for Green Bay. It just kind of was what it was, a very, very rainy, warm day in January in Seattle back in 2014. So I love going back in the past, even if it's a recent past. Dallas Cowboys just could not stop a key third down. Robert Cobb able to bring that one in and uh, help the Green Bay Packers run the clock out and beat the Dallas Cowboys at the time. So, yeah, congrats on the Cowboys able to move on. And now we will move on into Sunday's games. <laughs> the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. And the Chargers pretty much, again, they look like the team with the energy versus the team that was kind of tight, kind of nervous coming into it. Rookie quarterback versus veteran quarterback. 12-4 and four team. Road team at that, but 7-1 and one on the road this year. 7-1 and one on the road this year. Remember, their home building is not good. It doesn't even see 30,000 people to the LA Chargers. So I think the NFL and the Chargers are both fine with playing on the road, despite them probably deserving some home field advantage throughout the playoffs, because they probably should at least be the number two seed if, if uh, things were a little bit more fair with the record and everything, but that's just how it goes, and you don't win your division. Chargers just about had the damn thing, but could not finish the job. I just imagine if the Chargers at home field, whatever. Baltimore Ravens were able to make that nice comeback, just like how, in a way, their opponents in the Super Bowl years ago in the Harbaugh Bowl, when Baltimore built a big early lead, San Francisco looked kind of shell-shocked, and they slowly, gradually made the comeback and made things more interesting, but still couldn't finish the job out. That's what the L.A. Chargers did, basically, with the Baltimore Ravens, building that lead, building that lead, kick after kick after kick after kick after kick. And that Chicago kicker certainly does not live up to what the uh, <laughs> uh, Los Angeles Chargers kicker did today. Michael Bag, Bad, Bag, Badgley. I'm thinking of Bagley all the time, but it's Badgley. That's kind of a weird name. He did miss one, but he made one from 53 yards and made five field goals throughout the game. 15 points. Just imagine if that was a fantasy football game, but I don't know. I suppose there's some fantasy football in the playoffs, but that's kind of hard to do at the end of the day. Uh, great defense by the San Diego Chargers. They just called them San Diego again. The Los Angeles Chargers, seven sacks on Lamar uh, Jackson throughout the game today. Mr. Mobile, Mr. Spectacular, had about 700 yards rushing and he didn't even start out the season as the quarterback. Uh, Joe Flacco didn't even uh, have a single snap in the game. It looked like he was going to when he had his helmet on, like he was ready to go. Maybe he thought he was going to play, but it never happened despite Lamar Jackson's struggles early on. But extremely nice comeback in the second half, scoring all 17 points, uh, 14 of them in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson leading a few charges. Melgum, Melvin Ingram the third had two sacks and seven total tackles throughout the game. Uh, seven overall sacks for the L.A. Chargers. Almost had a scary moment there with <laughs> when the Chargers had the game won. The game was over. As the ball was run, the ball was run for a first down by Melvin Gordon the third, and it looked like the game was all over and things were going to be okay. And then no, there was the holding call, and it was like, oh no, the Chargers are in trouble now. <laughs> the hold, a key holding call that uh, sent the Chargers back would give Baltimore one more chance, but then Lamar Jackson was strip sacked, which was very. A very Vikings-like ending, I, I know. It'd be it be uh, when Teddy Bridgewater got strip-sacked by the Arizona Cardinals. And, of course, uh, Mr. Kirk Cousins earlier this season in the in the uh, against the L.A. Rams after that nice comeback, making things extremely interesting. Kirk Cousins strip-sacked before he even got a chance to do anything in that game. And that's what took place with Lamar Jackson. Uh, the L.A. Chargers look like a team that could go all the way. Uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction, without a doubt. And you know I am. I said the team that won this game... 
well, won this game will go to the Super Bowl. So basically the team that wins the game next week, New England and the Chargers, will go to the Super Bowl. And may, maybe they'll win it, but I kind of think it's coming out of the NFC, unfortunately. I'm not cheering. I don't like anybody in the NFC right now except maybe kind of the Rams, kind of, just because hope they keep wearing those retro uniforms. But the Chargers pretty much took it to Baltimore early and often throughout the entire game, and I thought they did a hell of a job today. At the end of the day, uh, first ever win for Phillip Rivers without throwing a single touchdown pass. He was only sacked once. Good, solid protection for Phillip Rivers, and he was able to get rid of the ball when he needed to, this and that. Only one sack throughout the game. No turnovers of any kind. No interceptions for Phillip Rivers. Just guided his team where he needed to. Melvin Gordon was able to get into the end zone. And again, the Chargers were able to get the job done with so many field goals. Michael Badgley able to <laughs> nail everything. I mean, he did miss one. I shouldn't say that. And then uh, Justin Tucker did miss one also down the stretch, which would have helped, but it did not kill Baltimore's chances. It would have been nice if they were within three instead of six, though, on that final drive, so they wouldn't have to be so drastic to get down the field in a short amount of time. But nice comeback for Crabtree. Again, a guy who ended up losing to the Baltimore Ravens six years ago in the Super Bowl. Michael Crabtree ending up uh, getting a couple of touchdowns from Lamar Jackson, including a 31-yarder, which is a pretty good play. Lamar Jackson showing the arm a little bit there and, again, uh, getting the job done and getting the Ravens back in it to get the home crowd rolling. But, unfortunately, for a lot of the home teams this past weekend, only one <laughs> would survive and come home with the victory. And it was the Dallas Cowboys, the one nobody really expected. Nobody expected the Cowboys to win this weekend. Okay, some people did, but a lot of people were going against Dallas. They're the only team that protected home fields. The Bears didn't do it. The uh, Baltimore Ravens didn't do it. And nor did the Houston Texans. So let's talk about the Chicago Bears. And uh, this was definitely the uh, feature presentation, even though it was an awfully boring game for an awfully, awfully long time. And the fact that the Bears were never getting into a point where, okay, they have a safe lead. They never had a safe lead in this game. In fact, Philadelphia... Had a lead for an extended period, the three to six. They had the the uh, ten to six lead for it. It felt like forever. Then the Bears finally made things interesting, but ultimately Philadelphia ends up surviving. Uh, the Bears, though, probably still should have won this game. Yes, they should have won this game. It's very similar to the Seattle game years ago. Luckily for the Bears, there wasn't any major turnovers. In fact, in a game when you have Nick Foles not doing all that great, quarterback rating of seventy-seven point seven. 266 yards, a couple of interceptions in the game. But, I mean, the key stat is also he didn't get sacked that much. He didn't get pressured all that much, but was thrown, but was forced into a couple of turnovers, some great tricky defensive sets by the Chicago Bears. The fact, again, two interceptions thrown by Nick Foles, and they couldn't capitalize. They just could not get the job done because Philadelphia's defense is almost as good as theirs. Philadelphia's defense looks absolutely spectacular once again. And if Nick Foles gets in any type of a rhythm again, it's going to be extremely interesting. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, me, personally, I'm not sure Philadelphia can survive New Orleans, but maybe. If somebody can, I guess it's them. I guess it's them now. Yeah, which will probably drive me into the next my next uh, big take going into uh, next week, I think, for the NFC. Yep, you can probably guess what it is. Yep, you can probably guess what it is. Mitchell Trubisky was solid, though, in the game. He made some awesome throws, showing the arm, the accuracy. I was very impressed with Mitchell Trubisky in this game. Um, I thought he did a very good job. He was only sacked twice. He showed the mobility. He also threw for 300 yards. He did not have the big, crazy turnover. Congratulations, Chicago Bears, even though today was just an absolute gut-wrenching heartbreaker. 
that freaking Philadelphia defense is just too good. The freaking offensive line from Philadelphia was just too good. Uh, unbelievable rush defense by Chicago throughout the game, just swallowing up Darren Sproles, but unfortunately just could not stop Nick Foles on that final play. Fourth and <laughs> fourth and three, fourth and two at the goal line, just could not keep Golden Tate out of the end zone. They stopped Elshon Jeffrey, the former Bear, many, many, many times, but could not get the final stop on fourth down. That would have been the game. The Bears would have been guaranteed in advance to Los Angeles, and I think they would have probably beat the L.A. Uh, Rams. But, um, yeah, I think they would have beaten the L.A. Rams and, and, and headed to New Orleans for the NFC title game. But, unfortunately for the Bears, it's better luck next year now at this point. Uh, Allen Robinson was unbelievable in the game, but so was Mitchell Zerpiski. It was a great combination, both of them playing together. I kept thinking it was Eldrick Robinson with the Vikings. You know, kind of a smaller slot receiver guy with some great plays, some great, uh, that 45-yarder down the stretch, which made things so interesting and helped the Bears score and take the lead, but they just could not keep Golden Tate out of the end zone, the former Detroit Lion. Remember that trade just earlier this year when it's like, oh, I guess Detroit's giving up already. Golden Tate, that key addition, and he's got Philadelphia at least in the second round now. A little more of Nick Foles' magic hanging in there, staying alive. Um, Jordan Howard just, you know, could not get things rolling that much today, but in a lot of ways it was just too close a game. And Philadelphia's rush defense was just that good, just like Chicago's rush defense was just that good. I mean, Philadelphia's got one of the best defensive lines and offensive lines in football. They recognize the most important aspects of the game. Certainly not the most exciting offensive line and defensive line, the trenches, but just like the old days, it still matters most. As much as you might want to believe, it's only the quarterback, it's only this, it's only that, you know, in the 90s, like the Emmett Smith, the running backs and all that stuff. But who helped, who really was the guiding force for those three Super Bowl titles for the Dallas Cowboys? The best offensive line in football. As much as we hated them, they were the best offensive line in football for Dallas. Uh, you just could not bring the freaking Troy Aikman down. And unfortunately, with all that incredible, amazing pass rush that Chicago has, Khalil Mack, I mean, you just, you never saw Nick Foles on his back. Never. He, he got hit a lot, but he was able to get rid of the ball. And again, that's also... A good on Nick Foles for being able to get the release, get rid of the ball in time, throw the ball away, whatever, so he didn't have to take the stack. But, ah, uh, oh, heartbreaking. The bottom line, though, the Bears still had this game won. They had the field goal made, and it's like, yeah, the stupid douchebag timeout like every damn coach does, and I'm sick and tired of it. I hate it. I think it's just, I, I think it's bullshit. I, I really do. Pardon my French. I'm just losing it. You could tell it bugged me, but I mean, you know, it's it's part of the game. It's annoying. Uh, Parky made that thing right down the middle, so you figure, okay, he'll he'll make it anyway, and everything's fine. But apparently, Parky is uh, been known to hit the the uprights at least once a game, basically, pretty much, and he hit the uprights again, and it still almost went in, but then it bounced off the crossbar, and oh, boy, Chicago Bears feeling that pain that we felt again when we drove down the field. Teddy Bridgewater and Kyle Rudolph helped the Vikings get down the field in position to win the game, basically on a chip shot field goal. 43 yards isn't the easiest thing in the world, but there wasn't any wind in Chicago today, which that's one of the reasons why you didn't have a ton of turnovers and like nine missed field goals and stuff throughout the game. It wasn't that windy, which might have helped uh, uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Bailey as well, but uh, we'll worry about Dan Bailey next year. And I do want to keep Dan Bailey, by the way. Um, I want to keep Dan Bailey. I don't think there's any reason to get rid of him. But now Cody Parkey off the uprights again, and Chicago feeling that Blair Walsh pain once again. Don't be surprised if Chicago might bring in Kai Forbath or something next year. 
In fact, I highly recommend that unless Jacksonville wants to hang on to uh, Kai Forbath. We'll just have to wait and see if that's the case. Uh, the Chicago Bears, though, unfortunately for them, losers today. 16-15, to Philadelphia was just a little bit better. They just kept the Bears at bay for such a long time. I mean, Mitchell Jabisky, it's like he wasn't spectacular, obviously, but I think it was more Philadelphia's defense than Mitchell Jabisky was bad. I mean, Jabisky tore the Vikings to pieces, and the Vikings' defense is awfully good, too. So, I mean, the Bears can win on the, at home. They can win on the road. And you know what? They were in position to win the game. Mitchell Trubisky did guide this team down the field when he needed to. He had them in position to win, and unfortunately, nobody can do anything about it. The kicker has to make his kick, and he didn't make the kick. And that's just the bottom line. Jake Elliott only attempted one kick in the game, and he made it. Period. 43 yards. Just imagine if he missed that one kick. The final score would have been 15-13, probably. <laughs> in fact, it would have been. The Bears would have just tried to run out the clock at that point if humanly possible. Uh, despite Philadelphia getting within two, the Bears would have still had time to burn the clock down, God willing, but I'm sure the strategy would have been a little different, but again, the Bears would have probably ran the clock down and won the game, but Jake Elliott did make him make his kick, and he is a good kicker. Parkey, I don't know what to think. He made kicks earlier in the game, but I don't know, all chip shots, and he didn't make this one. This would have been his long, only 43, and apparently he could make them from way out there. 53 yards away, but he did not get the job done when it mattered most. And that's all there is to say about that. So let's jump in and preview the uh, games coming up in the next week, if humanly possible. Divisional round. Indianapolis Colts heading to Kansas City to open up next weekend. It's going to be a thriller, man. It's going to be a thriller. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Indianapolis Colts. I do think the Colts continue their winning ways, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs continue to not get the job done in the postseason, unfortunately for them. Number one seed and all that. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have gone into Kansas City with Andrew Luck before and have gotten the job done. Obviously, it was a different team, but I think this is a better team than the team that did it last time around. Even though Andrew Luck was spectacular, uh, these are the two leading quarterbacks in the NFL with touchdown passes this year, if you can believe it, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. So Luck, basically 40 touchdown passes, 39. And then uh, Mr. Patrick Mahomes with 50 touchdown passes. But I just got that feeling the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go home frustrated and unhappy once again. Andy Reid had moments in the playoffs, but he's underachieved as well. He had some great moments in the playoffs. On occasion, taking a six-seeded Philadelphia Eagles to the conference final, which they just might do again this year. Who knows? Maybe. If anybody can beat the Saints, I guess it's them. I guess. But it seems like those days are done and dusted. And Kansas City, again... I'll remind you once again, for the 900 bajillionth time, the Kansas City Chiefs have not won a playoff game since 1993. It needs to end. And if the Chiefs get the job done, more power to them. Maybe they will go to the Super Bowl finally for the first time since uh, 1969. And unfortunately, the team that they beat that year is uh, very close to home. In fact, that was the day, that was the beginning of the Minnesota Vikings underachieving in the playoffs. That was the beginning of it all. Everything starts at some point. Everything starts... At some point, this planet had its first flood at one point. Its first rain was a great flood. The first rain ever on this planet, at least in biblical times, maybe way before that, who knows. But <laughs> biblical record, yes. Everything starts at some point. The Chargers road record started at some point. The Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl history started at some point. Nick Foles taking over. Boom, 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 boom. 
The Boston Red Sox finally started beating the New York Yankees. The curse of the Bambino started at one point, too. The trade of Babe Ruth, and they won like 20 series in a row versus the Boston Red Sox until 2004. Yeah, everything starts at some point. The curse of 1969 was the start of the Minnesota Vikings' playoff failures. The good news is, everything like that can end. There's usually an end to that, too. So hopefully the Minnesota Vikings can put an end to that at some point. Vikings won't get a chance to avenge that game (laughs) this year, unfortunately. That would have been pretty cool if it was Minnesota versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl and the Vikings uh, shut down uh, Patrick Mahomes. But I think the Indianapolis Colts' strong defense and good offense, they're a very, very, very good football team. Um, I think they have a very good chance of winning the AFC. I don't think they will, but I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to advance to the AFC Championship game. And at the end of the day, I do believe that, uh, let's go to the next game, Dallas and the Los Angeles Rams. There's For me, there's no reason why the... Again, this is a Saturday game. There's no reason why the L.A. Rams uh, shouldn't take care of the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, the L.A. Rams, I think, are very happy. They're not playing the Chicago Bears. Dallas is a defense that can shut you down, can frustrate you. They can get the job done, but I think this Rams offense is going to be primed and ready to go. And maybe this is a huge momentum for the L.A. Rams. Unfortunately for them, they're the number two seed, so they'd have to go to New Orleans again, which they did earlier this year. and That did not go well. In fact, it didn't really go well at all. The one team that could have really frustrated Jared Goff and knocked him down was the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, the Chicago Bears aren't going to get that chance to take care of him. I do believe the Los Angeles Rams end up defeating the Dallas Cowboys and advancing to the NFC Championship game. I think it'll be a kind of a cozy win, something along the likes of 31-20, to 31-17, to 17, something like that. I think the Colts beat the Kansas City Chiefs, a very high-scoring 41-38 to 38 type of epic battle that might go to overtime like a kick at the end of the day. And the uh, Indianapolis Colts defense stands strong and frustrates the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the offense and defense get the job done, frustrate Patrick Mahomes, but I think they're, they're, the offense will shine in a lot of ways. And again, Kansas City is going to score points. Maybe it'll be closer to like 31-27, to 27, something like that. But one way or another, Indianapolis Colts defense will do enough to contain Patrick Mahomes and uh, allow the uh, Indianapolis Colts to advance to the AFC title game. And then we talk about the Los Angeles Chargers heading to New England. New England has not looked good for quite a while. They don't look like the same team. They don't look like the chemistry's there. Uh, Gronk is like at the, uh, is on his last leg, even though he's not even that old, but he's aging too quickly for whatever reason. It's uh, sad to see, quite honestly. Uh, Tom Brady's not quite what he was. A lot of times we doubt Tom Brady, and then boom, 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 here he comes. And put it this way, if the New England Patriots beat the LA Chargers, there's no stopping them. They're going right back to the Super Bowl, and they just might win it. And I think if they do go back, I I think the Patriots win the Super Bowl at the end of the day. But uh, I do. If the Patriots can build enough momentum to get get past the Chargers and or Colts or uh, Kansas City Chiefs, they'll win the Super Bowl. They're the only team in the AFC that I think that would actually win the Super Bowl at this point against a certain team from... uh, from uh, Louisiana, but <laughs> I think you kind of know who that is. Just maybe. But the winner of this game will advance and win the uh, and, uh, and win the AFC at the end of the day. I'm sticking to my guns on that one. I do think the Chargers win the game, though. I think the Chargers are just primed and ready to go. I think they're the better team right now. I love the New England Patriots. All of you know that, that have listened to this show the last several years. 
I love the Patriots. I want them to win the game. I'll be rooting for them. But I do believe that the LA Chargers will be the better team. They end up scoring. It'll be, I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring, kind of a grind it out type of game. But uh, Phillip Rivers and uh, Tom Brady, it'll be a mono a mono. There'll be a number of yards. There'll be a number of points. It's going to be lower scoring than the other one, though. Kansas City and uh, Indianapolis will be an entertaining game. The Patriots, at the end of the day, do not get the victory. They score 27. The Chargers get 31 and end up advancing to the AFC title game. And I do believe, again, they represent the uh, AFC in the Super Bowl. They'll beat the Chiefs or the Indianapolis Colts. And in this case, the Colts, they'll defeat the Colts and win the uh, AFC title. Uh, They'll actually have to host it, which is kind of sad at the end of the day if that's the case, which might not be a good thing. But I do believe the Chargers will win the AFC at the end of the day. I do believe that. Uh, On the other side... The uh, game that matters most, New Orleans and Philadelphia. It's going to be an epic battle indeed. I I do believe, actually, this one's earlier, but I think it's saving the best for last. The defending champions against the the probable future champions, the heavy favorites to win it all, I think, the New Orleans Saints. This is going to be not only the game that decides who wins the NFC, it's going to be the game that decides the Super Bowl. This is this game, This the winner of this game wins Super Bowl 53. In my humble opinion. This is it. Just like this is your defending champion. In Well, in that case, the defending AFC champion. <laughs> they weren't the champions. They lost by a couple yards. Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens in 2000 when Brian Billick called it out. I'm calling it right here. The winner of this game wins Super Bowl 53. Philadelphia Eagles somehow, someway, survive the New Orleans Saints. They will beat the Rams and they will beat the whoever. They'll beat the Patriots again. They'll beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Uh, unfortunately, I will be furious. I'll be. That's just how it goes. <laughs> but no, I'll be absolutely furious. But I do believe that the uh, New Orleans uh, Saints edge, and I mean edge, the Philadelphia Eagles by three points, something along the likes of that. It's going to be a very epic battle, very entertaining game. It's going to be much higher scoring than Chicago Philly. It's going to be something along the likes of 38, 30, 30, 38, 35, 38, 31, something like that. But I think the Saints end up defeating the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's a resounding victory over the Rams. I think the Patri- I think the Saints win by like 10 or more over the Rams. And they win Super Bowl 53 over the Chargers at the end of the day. So I'm sticking to my guns there. But the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles would beat the Rams and they would beat the Chargers slash whoever on the AFC at the end of the day. It'll be a miracle run, and they'll be like the uh, Houston Rockets of 1995. Don't ever doubt the heart of a champion, <laughs> which I'll hate to see it happen, but reality is what reality is sometimes. Maybe the Chargers do end up winning the Super Bowl, and if it's Eagles and Chargers, oh my God, I'll be I'll be uh, praying and praying and praying. Go Bolts. Get the job done. Get the job done, baby. But uh, I, I don't know. I think the Eagles, if they can defeat the New Orleans Saints, I think the momentum is going to be on their side like you wouldn't believe. And it's going to be the same old crap again. So with that, we'll take a break and get to fan interaction after this. Hi, Joe. It's the day after the game. Um, yeah, the trouble with, with this front office is they felt Cousins was the final piece in the jigsaw to win in the Super Bowl. And let's be brutally honest, over the years, that has been a major issue with this team. 
oh, we've had a decent season, we just need to plug in X, Y and Z and we're ready to rock and roll all the way to the promised land. And it's always backfired. You can't do it. Now, I'm not sure how many people were following in the 80s, obviously, with the Herschel Walker business. Uh, we gave up all those picks that went to Dallas, and Dallas won two Super Bowls off that. Now, I'm not saying we would have won a Super Bowl. We would have probably found ways to screw up in the draft, but equally, you don't know. You know, the, the simple fact is Spillman has gone out and he's overspent on a mid-grade quarterback. Um, you know, who's a system quarterback? And his record, you know, he's not won a postseason game. Uh, is it four and twenty-five against winning teams? So we can all see why Washington did not commit big money. And those that want to defend Cousins, fine. Yeah, I get it. Washington weren't a very good team. They didn't have a very good offense, and they didn't have a great defense either. But he's come to a team with a top-tier defense uh, and a couple of stellar wide receivers, luckily for Rick, because I don't really want to get going on the Rick Spillman essential drafting guide, which has been, quite frankly, garbage. If you look at the players, or especially the players on, in the quarterback position that he's brought in, um, it's been pretty dire. Ponder was a, a bloody disaster. Then, of course, we had the one-legged Bradford, Another first-round draft pick gone away for a player that clearly had major issues. Um, and then, of course, it's Kirk Cousins that has been brought in as the answer to all our prayers. Um, anybody wanting to say, oh, what about Teddy Bridgewater? Um, he was North Turner's pick. Simple as that. So you can't trust the general manager on the quarterback position, which is the make-or-break of any franchise. Now, as to his wide receiver picks, let's be brutally honest, those first rounders have been a complete dumpster fire. He's got lucky with the likes of Phelan and Diggs. Otherwise, can you imagine what this team's wide receiver core would be like currently? It'd be a bloody disaster as well. Now, when it comes to the draft, and I'm no football expert, I'm a fan. Personally, you surely have to go for most urgent area of need, not best player available at the position. I think the problem with drafting is that Zimmer's perhaps had too much influence over the drafting. You know, we've constantly drafted defence, 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 and we've completely said, oh, we'll be fine, we can keep them to 20 points or below, we'll win. Well, that ain't working out too well, is it? We're not winning. So if these clowns uh, don't want to be disrespectful for Zimmer because I do like him, draft bloody defensive line or cornerback in the first round of this year's draft they deserve firing i mean i'm pissed and i think all fans of this team should be pissed um the conceited arrogance of thinking oh we're going to pay kirk cousins 84 million and we'll be playoff bound blah blah bloody blah and what we've got is this disaster um it's not good enough it really isn't good enough um, yeah, I mean, disappointed. But as the season progressed, I wasn't surprised. That game last night was a microcosm of the whole bloody season. They performed once reasonably well against Seattle. Other than that, it was garbage. Get off my soapbox now, Joey. Um, look forward to the next podcast. Um, as to uh, the Super Bowl, I hope it's either the Chargers or the Kansas City Chiefs that pull it off. Skull.
brothers and sisters. Happy New Year again, Joey. Great work as always. Um, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the postseason and everything else that goes on. Wow, that may have been, that may have been the best calling I have ever had on any show in my entire podcasting career. I'm not kidding. That summed it up so well, Mad Martin, Dave Martin, out of Northern Scotland. I mean, I almost, I'm, I'm almost speechless. It was just perfect. I mean, <laughs> you summed up uh, GM Rick Spielman's career so perfectly. It's not even funny. And it's like, even if I, and if I, I mean, all I can say is I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, most of what I can say, I won't do it justice. You did such a good job. I'd be just rehashing and saying, oh, you know, yeah, I agree. But yeah, of course I agree. I mean, you look at the quarterback history, the wide receiver in the first round history is a joke. Yes, the only thing is, okay, sure, he hit with a couple people like Stefan Diggs in the fifth round, which does prove you don't need to take wide receivers until later on. You really don't, unless it's a can't-miss no-brainer. That's the only reason where Treadwell was not a can't-miss no-brainer. Reaching for Ponder was just plain stupid. So, it is what it is. Uh, incredible history there. Uh, as for Bridgewater, I am I have no idea who truly wanted him. I mean, I guess it was Norv Turner, yes. Uh, I guess it was. Um, God bless him, though. I wish, I, I, I wish he was still our quarterback. Go ahead and, you know, certain people uh, locally might say that's a lazy take. I don't think it is. I would love love to have Teddy Bridgewater still as the quarterback. I don't know. Um, Kirk Cousins' body of work, to me, did not add up to the money, did not add up to the commitment. It's not the money as much as it is the commitment, because when you put that kind of money down, it is a commitment where it's him or bust. It's him or bust. And if he busts, we're bust. We're bust dead, that type of thing. And again, like you said, the arrogance of not taking offensive line common sense type of stuff. Not taking uh, just a common sense type of stuff. You have a leaking ship, patch it up. You have the patches right over there. Instead, no, let's just buy more ores and keep rowing. You moron, patch it up, please. Patch it up. So stuff like that. <laughs> we just, let's just get more ores and keep rowing. It'll be okay. Makes perfect sense. Get another ore. Okay, oh yeah, that's a beautiful ore. Look at that thing. That is the best ore ever. Like like getting Mike Hughes the best cornerback ever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it broke because it hit an iceberg. Crap. It was a really good ore, but we made a mistake and it broke. Oops, we, we bumped into something. It was just really bad luck. So, like, obviously Mike Hughes' injury was bad luck. It wasn't, you know, it's not his fault. It would be like, we're stupid and we made a mistake. But anyhow, yeah, again, I'm not doing your call justice. That call was uh, unbelievable. I mean, if he's not a star candidate for this show, I don't know who is. So, that <laughs> was just freaking awesome. Um, I hope that, uh, I bet a lot of you were like, yeah, here, here. That is like the best thing I've ever heard, basically. Um, Gerald Sring also had a comment. I'm going to get to it now. Maybe I shouldn't have pressed it. It's, now I screwed up everything. I should just stick that one somewhere else so I could read it simply. Yep. And it's screwed up already, which is just great. That's what I love about Facebook. So I'll read what Gerald String had to say. He said, just posted in Purple Mafia. You are 100% spot on. Bears should have never let the Eagles into the playoffs. No way Cousins could have done what Foles can do when it counts. Nice call. I'm almost starting to pull for the Eagles here a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. Look at you. Interesting to see what they can do. Take care. Oh, it's interesting, but I refuse to uh, pull for the Eagles. Though no, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna join you with that one. <laughs> I, I refuse to pull for them. Only, well, I mean, the only team I suppose 
I wouldn't mind seeing them beat would be the team they're playing, the freaking Saints. So I guess I kind of get that, but I don't know. It's like one jackass team versus another, I suppose, as I'm finally getting back where I needed to be. Leading off the last show, Promo Mafia episode 284, Wasted Season. This, of course, is uh, reviewing wildcard and previewing divisionals and all that. Justin Muir Henry says, glad I was freezing my butt off in Michigan instead of watching this team let me down again. That was against the Bears. Let's get back to the good old, there's always next year. Oh, boy, look at you. Justin Muir Henry out of Colorado. Chris Porter out of Idaho says, yeah, sorry about those Vikings, bud. I saw Wasted Season. That's how I was feeling about our season as well. And yes, Chris Porter, a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan, as they went through the same thing, pretty much the same record, same situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 8-7-1, and one, and off they go, unfortunately, for them. I do believe, actually, they were 9-6-1. and one. That's my bad. So, that situation. There he is. Gerald Strings says, Great show, Joey. It's official. You are correct. Bears wish they would have let the Vikings win. That's the one thing, yes. They wish they would have let the Vikings win because they would have easily beaten us. No way Cousins could pull off what Foles has been able to do when it counts the most. Eagles playing some dang good ball on this little run. And yeah, here we go again, right? I'm not a fan, but, uh, well, I guess somebody has to be, right? <clears throat> Bengals finally fired uh, Marvin Lewis. I was, after 16 seasons, I was saying about 10 years too late. Um, Sebastian Barton was saying 10 bucks on Hugh Jackson becoming the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. It's possible. That would, It's possible. You never know. Because, yep, he worked with uh, Mr. Marvin Lewis before. Sebastian continues, says, I'll trade them Zimmer and Cousins for two bags of footballs. <laughs> Would be the best ever signed Teddy. That was what I was saying. He's, uh, Sebastian actually would like to get Case back. He says he just gelled with this team, had the it factor. Even if he's a backup to a kid, don't care. He was a, he was good in the locker room. And yes, I would love to have him as a backup. I would love to have uh, uh, Case Keenum as a backup again. Maybe he could be our Nick Foles, I guess, in a sense. Um, he said I would always, I mean, I was saying I would love to have him as a backup at least. I always wanted him. I wanted it to be him and Teddy and made the best man win. And I know. I mean, who knows? But unfortunately, that's probably never going to happen. Maybe Teddy will come back someday, someday, sometime. But uh, very unlikely, unfortunately. At the end of the day, Mike Zimmer, I, was, I posted about how, yep, Zimmer and Spielman. So Zimmer and Rick Spielman will return to Minnesota. But unfortunately for them, they are both on one-year deals. So there's no major commitment coming their way just yet. Scott Isaac Johnson, as there is a lot of discussion in here, says sticking with Zimmer and, and Cousins. Well, there's always next season. Four and twelve. What's the Vikings' worst record in the season? That would be thirteen and three. Scott Johnson, and it happened twice. So thirteen and three. I'm even gonna write it in there. I thought I replied to him, but I didn't. Nineteen eighty-four and under Fraser. Frazier in twenty eleven. I'll remember that crappy-ass season as well. So, answered there, written down, and all that. Hope I spelled the guy's name right, Mr. Fraser. Scott Isaac Johnson. Um, Brett McCarthy says, glad. Now go get an offensive coordinator and lineman. Lineman, not lineman. And fix this. Maybe Kevin Stefanski, Brett. Uh, are you okay with him? Out of South Dakota. Brett out of South Dakota. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, I'm okay with Zimmer staying. But Spielman should have been let go as the clock hit zeros yesterday. I'm holding up judgment on Cousins until we put a new quality O-line around him. Zimmer needs to get a real offensive coordinator. 
Zimmer's seat should be sizzling hot going into next season. And, and I think it is. Uh, he is right now on a lame duck contract. There has been no talk about an extension, not even a one-year extension yet for him or Mr. Spielman, though that can change very quickly. Curtis Pate says, well, another year of drafting guys we don't need and passing 60 times a game because no line to run, uh, no line to run with. Yep. Shelby Lund, some interesting conversation back and forth, says uh, Zimmer made his bed when he dumped 84 mil into the bleep show. That is Cousins. He will ride that flaming turf to the unemployment line. Maybe maybe it's karma for the BS he pulled with Case last year. A guy takes you to the NFC Championship game and you dump him like he did. And yeah, he basically kept saying he has a horseshoe the whole year, Mr. Uh, Zimmer. This generates a ton of conversation, and I mean a ton. So we'll get back, we'll get going here. Oh, let's see what Celestar Thomas had to say to her. Shelby uh, Thomas, no Shelby Shelby Lund, that was her name. Celestar Thomas says, "Not sure Case was the answer, but I prefer to stay with Case instead of wasting money on a quarterback that hasn't done anything. Just doesn't make sense. Cousins is who we thought he was—a quarterback that can handle pressure, hence his record against winning teams. Yep, I I agree." Josh Mary Henry out of Colorado says Case is the same quarterback he was prior to being in Pat Shermer's system. Look what he did in Denver. I live in Colorado. Yep, yes he does. And the fans here want him gone also. Him and Shermer hit lightning in a bottle last season. Not saying I'm happy with Kirk, but I don't think we would have uh, I don't think we would have lost uh, a few more games with Case under center. Hmm, interesting. Yep, yep, yep. Shelby Lund says, I think Case had built a chemistry with Diggs and Adam that Cousins will never have. Well, that could be a point there. Uh, I felt I felt Case at least gave us a chance by extending plays. Cousins has zero ability to do that and lays down as soon as there is pressure. I would trade Denver straight up and eat the salary difference if I was making the call, but that will never happen as long as Zimmer is, is there. He would have to admit he was wrong, and he can't even do that when it's obvious. <laughs> Gerald String responds, says, I didn't realize that was you on here. Didn't have a clue you were a Vikings fan. Hope also, apparently he knows Shelby Lund. Hope, hope everything is going well for you up in North Dakota. A lot of great people up there in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. So apparently that's where Gerald is from originally, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gerald. <laughs> Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, by the way. Interesting conversation all back and forth. Uh, Gerald continues saying, Furthermore, if you look way back, that was my opinion also. Keep case. Keep the $84 million in your pocket and go get some online players. Too much money for slightly above average stat guys. Also not a great history of playing well in big games and not sure he's ever made the playoffs. He, he has, but he lost. He, he lost to the Packers. Um... If he has, I don't remember anything too big from him there. And yeah, they lost to Green Bay, a certain team that we play every year. Hmm. Trey Buckholz wraps up this uh, comment anyway, says, uh, Shelby Lund, you realize the GM makes those decisions, not the coach. Case is garbage. Look at the Broncos. Case was a flash in the pan. Anyone who thinks difference is going off emotion and not knowledge. Interesting thought process there, Trey. Eric Mustard says, can't post a screenshot, but Facebook translated, oh yeah, that was, it came out I love you for some reason, when I meant to say, oh goody, that was weird uh, Brent Jacobson says, I can't say I'm surprised, again, he is also a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, locally here of the two, I was kind of thinking Spielman would be a goner, me too ah, but frankly, I am not sure either deserve to be gone, Gerald String says if they don't make the playoffs next year 
Should be over for both. Tired of being the Bengals of the NFC. Huge point there. Oh, we are right now turning into that. Though I think the ultimate team like that might be uh, Detroit. Team that can't win a bleeping playoff game since 91 there. Um, oops, I didn't want to write that. Now I'm getting behind here. Gerald Swing. Tene Brown out of New Zealand says, I'm glad Zimmer is still around. He's exactly who I'd want as coach. So, okay. So a vote of confidence from Tene out of New Zealand. So that's the end of that thread. Now we move up to this one. I think I lost a subscriber or two, at least on the page, unfortunately, for posting this. Some people just get mad. They think I'm a bandwagon fan for writing this. Like, I mean, uh, not bandwagon. I'm the opposite of bandwagon. Or, like, I'm bandwagon stuff. Fairweather fan. I put, report, Minnesota man accused of robbing local team of $84 million. It's one of those memes out there where it has Kirk Cousins' smile and then, like, the measurement behind him as if he's a, a prisoner or whatever, or he, he was caught, whatever. Minnesota man accused of robbing local team of $84 million. A lot of people laughed on that one, but no comments. Lots of likes and laughs and shares from that one. Uh, some people, I think, I think I lost a, uh, a follower or two, unfortunately, for that. But oh well, people can get offended by little things, I guess. So luckily, we got a couple of comments here. When I said uh, I, I finally posted a thread, I should have posted it yesterday afternoon. Next week, I think I'm going to post it uh, on there so I can get more comments. But at least, hey, you guys commented though pretty quickly too. That's Impressive. I'm actually very impressed with the turnout here on this. Thanks, guys, for this. Uh, Mark Carlson, most recently, but it's, I guess we'll start with the most recent one anyway. I like to usually go oldest up, but that's okay. Mark Carlson says, I can't believe Dallas is still alive. Maybe they have finally figured out how to play as a team, or did they just get lucky? A little of both. He said, I thought the Eagles wouldn't match up so well against the Bears, but that game turned out to be kind of fun to watch. We Viking fans all know what it's like to have the field goal kicker blow the game. Yep, I wanted Baltimore to win today. At least there would have been some purple left in the season. Oh well, I had to do a double take when I heard some NFL news report that a certain team might play their home games in London, UK next year. And I understand the problem, but holy cow, London? Who dreams this stuff up? Skull, Mark from Iowa. <clears throat> yeah, that is pretty crazy. Um, San Diego Chargers, right? <laughs> or, excuse me, I just called them San Diego again. Los Angeles Chargers. Gerald Swing says, I already commented, but you were spot on. Bears shot themselves in the foot, beating the Vikings last week. Do you think Cousins could have played as well as Nick Foles when it counts? Nothing in his history would tell me that Cousins could lead a team in the postseason. And I couldn't agree more, Gerald. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that Cousins would have went into Chicago and got the job done. And if he did, he would have proved us all wrong. And hell yeah, he would have been a hero. The sad, the sad part is you get that huge win and then you're just going to L.A. or whatever. Or in our case, it'd be the uh, Saints, uh, New Orleans Saints. You get all that and then you have to go to the Saints and you're only in the second round. Oh, that's the crappy part. Gerald's ring continues saying, Just think two more exciting seasons of beating up on teams with losing records. Guess there's always the 2021 season to look forward to, LOL. Which might be exactly... Yeah, I hope that's not the case. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they figured it out and we'll be unbelievable next year. Let's hope so. Brett McCarthy says, so sick of the cousin haters. If they knew anything about football, our offensive line is terrible. We lost a coach at the beginning of the season. Fired one in the middle of the season. All the offensive side of the ball. Hopefully Brett McCarthy wasn't the one that uh, un unliked the show, the show on Facebook, so I apologize about the cousin haters. I, I apologize, but 
I'm mad at him too, though. And I do get it. The offensive line is terrible. We lost a coach at the beginning of the season. Fired one in the middle of the season. All on the offensive side of the ball. We need to fix the O-line. Get a good offensive coordinator. That will turn things around. Now the games were good. All road teams won, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Some shaky... Some shaky reg called this weekend. Look at the Colts and and <laughs> and their draft of linemen to protect Luck. I am liking them so far, and the Eagles are very scrappy. Went nose to nose with the Bears, and yes, the Eagles have the best offensive line in football still, pretty much for the most part. And yes, the Colts are the good O line. Yes, having an O line is a you know in front of Cousins is good, and again the different play calling where you have Cousins running the bootleg and such, so he's not just standing there getting eaten alive. If if the uh, protection does break down, so. I like what Kevin Stefanski brings to the Vikings as an offensive coordinator. Is there an upgrade out there? Uh, possibly. Jim Caldwell, possibly someone from the LA Rams. There's been talk about that. Their quarterback coach, this and that. So we'll just have to wait and see where things go. Some up-and-comer here and there. Kevin Stefanski, I would not complain if he's the uh, long-term OC for the Vikings. Uh, Yankee Zong out of Brooklyn Center says, Why didn't the coach let the kicker go in the third in on third in case, in case shit like the like the Bears situation happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough situation. It, it really is. Why didn't he let the kicker go in on the third? Yep, yeah. Oh, you mean like earlier on? Yep, I see. It's on third down. It just kind of is what it is. It's one of those second-guessing things there's not a whole lot you can do about now. Uh, Dub Brothers says double doink, and that's what it was. Eric Mustard says bong, bong, go to Bears. But I'd rather see them win than the freaking Eagles, though. I'd rather see them win. I'd rather see bong, bong, go the Eagles. But unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. Wow, still over an hour for this one. But I suppose usually my postseason shows get to be over an hour because a lot of games to talk about and fun. Thank you guys for commenting. I appreciate the activity. I think last year I posted a... Uh, I posted a thread like this, and it was real quiet. This time, good, good, good commentary, guys. Way to stick with it, and I'll uh, post it again next week, the thread for uh, the uh, divisional round. Thanks again, guys. That was uh, very, very, very worth it. Good thought process. And I understand uh, you're frustrated with people hating on Cousins, Brett, uh, Brett McCarthy. I understand. So, oh, I mean, I don't know. We're We're frustrated. You're frustrated. At the end of the day, I mean, winning will change it all. It'll Winning really does cure all, and hopefully that's where we had. And nobody disagrees that this team needs a better offensive line. Nobody disagrees that we need a better guard at the very least. Um, one thing that uh, Mr. Rick Spielman got extremely lucky on, and that we have to, because I wanted to close the show on this before I pass out the stars and everything and give out the contact details. One thing that I think Rick Spielman does deserve credit for, even though it's luck at the same time, but one thing also as well, that is something very, very fortunate to look forward to for the Minnesota Vikings with the offensive line, is sit down for a minute and think about number 75 and how fortunate, like you wouldn't believe we are to have him. Oh my God, are we lucky as heck that we were able to draft Brian O'Neill and he ended up being as good as he was. What an amazing pick he ended up being. What a lucky pick. I mean, we got lucky there, beyond lucky. What, how lucky are we that he was actually much more ready to go than we thought? Despite, see, there's a lot more physical growing he needed to do 
And, you know, he still needs it, and he'll need it in the offseason and everything. He'll probably come back much better next year. There was talk that he could be extremely good someday. But the fact that he held his own as well as he did this season was definitely something that's been under the radar that I, that, uh, I think a lot of you probably, when you sit down and think about, uh, you're just basically like, holy cow, yeah. Including myself. When we get all frustrated thinking about how awful the offensive line was, because it was, how fortunate, how beyond fortunate are we that Brian O'Neill was at least there and that how quickly he developed and was ready to go in, in such a dire situation we truly were in when uh, we, we had the key injury down the stretch during the course of the season and then he took over and did a heck of a job. People are already talking about he just might be the left tackle of the future and uh, you could move Riley, Riley Reef to the, uh, the right guard. And, uh, no, excuse me, left guard. The left guard, which is where Nick Easton was before. Nick Easton, you know, you can't count on him coming back with that type of injury. But at the same time, I'm not going to cut him either. Nick Easton's a guy, hey, you know, wait it out. Hopefully he can come back and he could at, at very least be a depth position, which would only make us that much better if he's a backup guard. That would be great. Backup guard, backup center. Nick Easton might end up being that. If it takes him another year to get truly healthy or halfway into next season, but um, no, you, maybe you take one tackle and one guard. you got a strong opinion on one. Um, I do have an opinion on somebody so far. It might be, you know, it's a guy who's floating right around where the Vikings will be picking at 18th, and he's by far the best player available at that position. That would be a guy named Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Definitely a guy to be uh, thinking about. Cody Ford is a name that you'll be hearing a lot between now and the end of April. Cody Ford, Cody Ford, Cody Ford. Hopefully, uh... Hopefully the Vikings are able to get somebody of his caliber and maybe bring in another tackle as well. Brian O'Neill, Riley Reef, and another tackle. I mean, you're in good shape at the end of the day. So we'll just have to wait and see how things continue to head during the course of time. But uh, thank God for Brian O'Neill. How fortunate are we that he was there when all those other players were drafted and we just sat there waiting, hoping, oh, you know, somebody's going to slip down. And, oh, man, how lucky beyond luck that he was there and how even more lucky that he ended up being as good as he truly is. So thank God in heaven for Brian, Brian O'Neill, a guy who could be a starting tackle on this team for the next 10 to 15 years, I bet. And that is a wonderful feeling. Get another Brian O'Neill or somebody who's maybe more ready to play than uh, Brian O'Neill even was at uh, a guard position, especially, and maybe even a tackle and bada bing, bada boom. Before you know it, the Vikings offensive line could be in the better half of the league rather than the worst half. And that would be a place to start for some significant success for this offense in the coming years. Thank God we also have Stefan Diggs and uh, Adam Thielen, both under the age of 30. Delvin Cook was just in his second year, and he showed signs of how spectacular he could be. So definitely still signs of uh, positivity coming for the offensive line and, of course, the Minnesota Vikings offense. And again, <laughs> well, there are defensive players available in the draft, that you can continue to take in the in the second, third, whatever. Third, fourth, maybe not second, but in the third or fourth round. That might end up being really good as well. Everson Griffin was a fourth round pick. Uh, McKenzie Alexander was a second rounder. And my goodness, did he turn out to be something. Holton Hill was undrafted. Who knows? So uh, offensive line, you're really it's really unlikely you're going to get somebody undrafted there. But in other positions, we'll just have to wait and see. With that, the gold star for this episode is definitely going to go to Mad Martin, the the silver star, which is going to have some gold plating on. It's going to go to Gerald String. Brett McCarthy deserves another silver star as well. I think. Thank you guys so much for the uh, conversation. Mark Carlson ringing in the bronze along with 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it to Mark Carlson, the Bronze Star for sure, and Josh Mayer Henry. Uh, thanks, guys, for some good conversation today. Thank you for your participation. Shelby Lund actually should uh, also get a bronze. Thank you. Good conversation. We don't have to agree with each other, but it was a hell of a good conversation back and forth. All of you, thank you so much for your involvement with this show. Absolutely great. Uh, very, 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 very underrated, very underappreciated. As much as I appreciate it, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because it means so much to the show in so many ways. Uh, Leland. Oh, Leland, you deserve a star. You're going to get a silver because you gave me a very nice uh, rating on the iTunes before I sign off. I want to thank those of you out there in the past that have given positive reviews on iTunes. And those of you that could, it only helps the show. It really it really does help, and I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's necessary because it got so quiet for so long, and man, you know, and there were some trolls for a while, including one of the guys who I thought was a friend. Gave me a five-star rating about ten years ago, and then he decided one day he didn't like me for whatever reason, and then he just changed it over to a one. So that was nice of him. It just all of a sudden was a one. So Leland from Iowa says, nice podcast for Viking fans with a great following on Facebook to boot. And yep, you're part of that great following, Leland, and thank you very much. Gold-plated silver star for Leland. Thank you again. God bless you for posting that, and those of you that could as well. Any of you out there that I've never met, please, please post a positive rating on iTunes if you could, and join the Facebook page at Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show was the Twitter account. I don't think I even mentioned any of that, which is terrible. Uh, Mad Martin, that's where all the tweets came from. At Purple Mafia Show. Uh, Going to give a shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. In game threads, conversation during the course of the week. Just fun interaction with all of you out there. It's so fun. It's so nice. And I enjoy all of you that uh, join in the conversation on that page. And thank uh, Trevor Wickerin for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia on that Facebook page. Thanks again and God bless. The Facebook page here for Purple Mafia is facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Thanks again in advance for joining that if you could and jump into the conversation. Now let's get to the phone lines. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for the Purple Mafia Show. Your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine more than greatly appreciated to have you join in. It's a three-minute limit because it is an actual voicemail. There's the Call Now button on the Facebook page which goes to the same number through Facebook Messenger, so it's free as long as you're connected to the uh, internet somehow, some way, or cellular service, whatever it is. Same thing. Goes through the same thing. Same phone line and everything. Three-minute limit on that one. And then there is the audio submission rule, which I highly recommend. That is what Mad Martin uses, and it works like a charm. You can Use a free voice recording application on your smart device. Treat it like a phone call. Save it and send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. In Matt Martin's case, I think he might be using a recording uh, application on his laptop or desktop, whatever it is, with the, with a real microphone, which sounds freaking awesome. I mean, it literally sounds podcasting level. The guy's voice is great for radio. The guy's uh, presence, his strength and his takes, his, his thoughtful uh, thoughtfulness when he comes out, <laughs> his, his yeah, his 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 thoughtfulness when he delivers his takes are it's just outstanding. I mean, there is so much there when Mad Martin speaks, and just I can't thank you enough for being a part of this show. If it's five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, it is so awesome. And hey, any of you are out there are welcome to join in as well. Thanks again, Mad Martin. Again, but but yeah, when you email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, I can 
converted into an MP3 file. Thanks to Zomzar.com. Thanks again for that website for providing that service. More than happy to give them a free plug because that service helps me do my show. So, hell, you know, it's more than worth it. They give me a free service, I give them a free thing right back. God bless you, Zomzar.com. <laughs> Thanks again, Mad Martin and others that have called in in the past. God bless you. So with that, again, please do give a positive rating on iTunes if you could. It only helps the show. iTunes or Google Podcasts. Thanks again. And thank you so much, Leland, for doing that, taking the time to do that. Five-star rating. Just, oh, it's just so nice. So with that, uh, well, the weather's been up and down, just like the stock market. Sucks that the Bears are out already. I mean, you know, division rival and all that, but I just don't have the angst for Chicago that I have for Detroit, or especially Green Bay. I'd cheer for Detroit over Green Bay in a playoff game. Um, I feel for Bears fans today. And, you know, what a promising, awesome season. I'm happy for them that they have a quarterback of the future. They have a great defense. They have uh, some pretty good receivers. Obviously, a good, strong running back. But what a! But it's just, it's just right now. I, I feel it. I feel that whole thing. Twelve and four. All that. What, what a damn waste. You know, what a damn waste when that ball bounced off that freaking upright. Horrible feeling. It just makes you sick, and you feel what an absolute waste. Go ahead and say, oh, there's always next year, but why not this year? You know, when you're good enough, go 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 out there and get it. And then the son of a gun misses again. It's just, ah, uh, that's what sucks about football. You're, you know, it's not like a video game where you could save it and then uh, re- hit the reset button and oh, there, now he made it, now he won. No, nope, no, the, there is no reset button. The only reset button you get is next July, next August, uh, OTAs in April, the draft. Next year, nobody knows what next year is. Maybe the Vikings go thirteen and three. Maybe the Vikings go six and ten. We 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 don't know. That's what sucks about all this. We don't know. Hopefully, they do go thirteen and three, and hopefully, they mean it this time. Damn it, if you know what I mean. Hopefully, we actually get the real thing, real home field advantage, and actually, well, protect home field for once. Because I don't think the Vikings have protected home field since uh, getting U.S. Bank Stadium at all. I think the home field advantage so far there, the fans do do their part. The fans do their part for the most part. I mean, not every fan is perfect, but the team has not been doing their part since uh, since uh, opening that building in 2016. I'm annoyed with it so far. Stop losing home games to mediocre teams like Detroit, to teams like, you know, as good as Chicago is, stop losing to them. Make it a home field advantage and and do something with it. That's what Minnesota needs to do, and Chicago amazingly could not finish the job today on their home field. They couldn't do it against Green Bay in 2010 either. Chicago, boy, oh boy, you got your work cut out for you. You need to start winning playoff games, damn it, just like we do. With that said, God bless all of you. We'll talk to you in a week, and the quickly as quickly as these playoffs start, they end even faster before you know it, and it'll be the NFC and AFC title game already, and it'll go from four games to just two, and then down to one. With that, I'm going to bid adieu for this week and talk to you again in seven days.